This is Affliction Fiction, a podcast regarding writers and artists who quite literally make their characters sick. I'm James Ewer. And I'm Jaden Abbott. And on this show, we analyze illnesses that exist in fictional works such as TV, books, and film, and how they relate to the real world. And in our series finale, we'll be taking a look at imminent death syndrome from the HBO original series, Mr. Show. Mmm. Mmm. Series finale. Series finale. Mr. Show was a sketch comedy series starring Bob Odenkirk and David Cross that aired on HBO from 1995 to 1998. Each episode morphed between a variety of semi-related sketches, with Bob and David playing a variety of different characters. In one sketch, a man named Larry enters a guitar shop seeking a lesson. Nil, the guitar teacher, had been called by Larry's mother beforehand to let him know that Larry is dying of a terminal illness. Because of this, despite Larry's lack of skill or talent, Nil insists that Larry is a musical prodigy. I don't... That's it! That's it! I quit! I quit! I thought I was good. I thought I was good. Then I met you, dude. Then I met you. Play, play, man, play. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, okay, hold on, man. Mill's guitar shop. Yeah. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good news. Okay, thanks. Yeah, Bye. Hey, man, stop playing. Hey, ho, ho! Take it away from him. Huh? What's going on? Um, you know, before you came here, your mother called and she said, like, you had only a few weeks to live and we should try to make you feel good. But I guess they just got some test results back and you're gonna be okay, so we don't have to do that, Blackie. Oh, cool. <laughs> Upon being called and told that Larry will be okay, Neil and his friend begin to make fun of Larry. However, the doctor calls back and corrects himself, stating that Larry is indeed dying. Well, hey guys, what about my lesson? <laughs> yeah, lesson one, never pick up a guitar ever again. <laughs> oh yeah, but I can learn, I mean that's- No, you can't, you suck and you're wasting my time. <laughs> Nils Guitar Shop. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, he's still here. Huh? That is a screw-up. Hey, dude, call him. Stop him. Stop him. Okay, thanks. Uh, bye. Hey, Larry, man. Hey, um, play guitar again. No! Yeah, yeah, you know? Just, I don't know. Just see if it's on. I can't tell if it's on unless, you know, you, somebody hit the... Holy... Whoa! Because Nil still feels bad about Larry's condition, he allows him to perform alongside him at a rock concert. But, astoundingly, Larry continues to remain alive, and he receives opportunity after opportunity from people who hear about how long he has left to live. That night, Larry played before 3,000 screaming fans who'd been individually called by his mother and agreed to not hurt his feelings. The next day, he confounded his doctor by not dying. However, still on the brink of death, he expressed a wish to attend Harvard. The university, tipped off by his mother, was sympathetic to his condition and awarded him a doctoral degree. This would be his last victory, his doctor thought, but Larry surprised everyone by remaining alive. He then told of a desire to practice medicine. A Florida hospital, after receiving a call from his mother, was sympathetic. So, is he still alive? Yeah. You know, he's the best doctor ever in, in the world. After extensive testing, Larry was diagnosed with IDS, or Imminent Death Syndrome. Imminent Death Syndrome, or IDS, isn't new, but it's rare. Uh, the victim is literally on the brink of death for 80 to 100 years, a full lifetime, and it puts others in a... Awkward position? No, uh, 
It puts them in a, a uh, spot. No. It puts others in an awkward position. You see, they want to make the victim's final days rewarding, but they feel taken advantage of when no one dies. <laughs> IDS makes us all victims. It truly puts us all in an awkward position. Well, Jaden, this show has spent two years covering fictional affliction after fictional affliction, but now we're tackling the final boss of all medical conditions. Death. Chlamydia. Death. That's <laughs> what I said. That's what I said. It goes without saying that imminent death syndrome is pretty peculiar. Most medical conditions have outwardly visible symptoms which show that the disease is present, as well as internal harmful effects that aren't as easy to see. For example, when we talked about progeria last week, we noted that there are external physical symptoms like hair loss and head enlargement, which indicate that inside the body, a defective gene is creating an incorrect protein. Some conditions, however, can be asymptomatic, meaning that although they are still actively causing damage to the victim, they typically don't display any visible signs of existing. One key example is osteoporosis, which is a disease that causes the bones to become weak and break easily. According to the National Osteoporosis Foundation... Noth. <laughs> I waited for you that time. Oh, 100%. You know, the people on this podcast have had enough of this, so... <laughs> According to the National Osteoporosis Foundation, a person with this condition can't feel or see their bones weakening, so you won't know you have it until you actually break a bone, or until it progresses to such a late stage that you finally experience symptoms like back pain or poor posture, but those are very late symptoms, it's still an asymptomatic condition. So, while symptoms of a disease may be painful or burdensome, they're arguably to some extent beneficial, as they indicate that a disease is present right away so that the person affected can seek treatment as early as possible. Imminent death syndrome seems to be the exact opposite of an asymptomatic disease. Larry and everyone else affected by IDS has all the telltale signs and symptoms of a disease, but no actual disease. That is to say that patients are displaying some sort of long-term symptoms, but that there isn't any cause that can be pinned down. And, according to the Royal College of Psychiatrists, symptoms like this can happen in real life, and they have a name. Medically unexplained symptoms. Everyone gets physical symptoms that aren't accompanied by an actual condition. These are things like small aches and pains that we power through since we know they'll go away. But sometimes people get physical symptoms that remain long term and seek answers from a medical professional. But if a doctor can't find an explanation for symptoms like this from an x-ray, scan, or blood test, they are classified as medically unexplained symptoms. Most of the time, medically unexplained symptoms aren't as severe as perpetually being on the brink of death, like in imminent death syndrome. They're more likely to be things like back pains, chest pains, muscle pains, joint pains, headaches, heart palpitations, and problems with the stomach. But they can get more serious, like in cases of unexplained shortness of breath, convulsions, collapses, and paralysis. Medically unexplained symptoms continue to puzzle and frustrate medical professionals, as it's difficult for them to help a patient if they don't know the cause behind what they're experiencing. But the most common justification for these symptoms is that since they're not caused by any apparent physical condition, they're most likely a result of something going on in the mind. This isn't to say that medically unexplained symptoms are fabricated by their victims or all in their head. It simply means that the mind and body are in some ways linked to one another, as the brain sends signals to the body via the nervous system, and mental processes can have an impact on bodily processes. We know this to be true already. When we mentally feel embarrassed, the physical consequence is that we blush. When we mentally feel extremely nervous, we physically shake, shiver, and tremble. So true story, I just actually had an exam on this topic. That like, really? There are three theories about emotions, and like one of them is that like, 
we have an emotion before we have the physical reaction. Yeah. And like another is that we have the physical reaction that triggers the emotion. One like of the, them's the uh, the cannon bard. Theory, yeah, exactly. Right? There's the cannon bard theory, and then there's the oh geez, if the lark theory. No, don't put that in. I think that's not right. But, I, um, I hope you know because you just took an exam on it. I did. Cramming is maybe a wonder- we should have done this episode cr- last. Cramming week. is a wonderful thing. <laughs> um, but no, true story. Yeah, it's very interesting because it talks about the fact that like you know like the you can't like feel sad without like the physical reaction to feeling sad too. Mm-hmm. It's like very like it's it's quite the thing. Thanks, Affliction Fiction, for Thanks, teaching Affliction. me things that I don't need to know anymore. <laughs> Actually, I have a final in that class on Thursday. Never mind. Now you'll know. <laughs> what did the psychologist say when he jumped into the pool? Cannon bard. Jeez. Oh, that's also what Shakespeare said. I told that joke in high school psychology, and Did you Mrs. Really? Weisenberger loved it. Oh, that's shout out to Mrs. Weisenberger. I hope she listens to this. I, I hope not. <laughs> Most often, it is said that medically unexplained symptoms are in some way correlated with stress. A great deal of stress can negatively impact a person's nervous system and interfere with the brain's ability to send signals to the rest of the body. As such, a person under a lot of stress might do something like collapse or feel sensations of pain that physically have no present cause. Keep in mind, though, that this is just a proposed explanation for symptoms with no physical cause. The consensus in the medical community is still to refer to them as medically unexplained symptoms, and, for all intents and purposes, they're an anomaly. Because imminent death syndrome has no apparent underlying physical cause, we might say that the main symptom that characterizes this condition is actually just dying of old age or natural causes. But what does that even mean? Simply put, old age isn't a cause of death. And no person in history has ever actually died from being too old. And according to Dr. Nodar Janis of the Upper East Side Rehabilitation and Nursing Center, the term dying of old age is becoming increasingly uncommon in the medical community. The phrase originally came about as a catch-all term to explain the death of elderly people at a time when medical technology could not pinpoint their causes of death with certainty. But nowadays, we have a better understanding of what causes death later in life. According to Benjamin Radford, writing for Live Science, to say that a person has died of old age really just means they died from a disease. This isn't to say that disease always automatically comes about as a result of aging, as depending on lifestyle, some people develop conditions at a much later age than others. It's simply the case that as we get older, our bodies gradually deteriorate in their ability to successfully fend off diseases. Just as humans have a lifespan, the living cells which make us up have a lifespan too. But this doesn't mean that when our cells get old, we automatically die alongside them. Rather, when cells get older, they stop working as well as they used to, and they're worse at fighting off and healing diseases and disorders. So, rather than old age directly causing death, old age causes our bodies to be more susceptible to disease and unable to survive medical conditions that a younger person could recover from more easily, which leads to death. You might also hear about people dying of natural causes. This term is a bit more accurate, but not any more specific. According to Karina Storrs, writing for CNN, to die of natural causes just means that the death wasn't caused by an external factor. In other words, a death of natural causes is any death that isn't caused by suicide, homicide, or an accident. Some people think disease is less common today and that more people are dying of old age or natural causes today than ever before. After all, we don't have people dropping dead from the bubonic plague or tuberculosis anymore. But because we know that dying of any disease falls under natural causes, this just isn't the right way of thinking about it. Obviously, our medical technology is better now than ever before. But that doesn't mean that fewer people are dying of disease today than a century ago, because that's not true. 
It's just that the diseases that most commonly arise at the end of a person's lifetime have changed. We used to have influenza and diarrhea as killers, but today we have heart disease and cancer. We still have diarrhea as killers. Have you ever eaten a Taco Bell? Oof. <laughs> oh. That being said, just because it isn't necessarily accurate to refer to a cause of death as old age or natural causes, that doesn't mean these terms still don't have uses. Dying of a disease or disorder isn't always a tragic, miserable thing. A death from a condition later in life can be peaceful, especially if the person affected feels fulfilled with the life that they've lived. So saying that a person died of old age or natural causes is a way of making it understood among grieving friends and relatives that the person did not necessarily experience great discomfort when they passed, and they lived a good life before doing so. The main takeaway is this. Although most people who don't already have a medical condition live their lives without anticipating that they'll develop an illness or disorder, the truth is that unless you're killed by a person or an accidental injury, you're going to have some kind of disease before the end of your lifetime. There is no person for whom affliction is fiction. And that might be why diseases and disorders are such a commonly explored subject in bodies of work. They're compelling to write about because, in some capacity, they affect everyone, be it right now or sometime in the future. We all have a familiarity with medical problems, whether it's directly because you have one or indirectly because you know someone who does. A condition can be as serious as a worldwide infertility epidemic or as stupid as monooringosis. But when we see one, fictional or otherwise, depicted in a book, film, show, or something else, the writer easily succeeds in drawing out our empathy and making us think about our own lives. And because of this, portraying illness in fictional works accomplishes one of the many things that art is meant to do. It helps us understand each other. So if there's one thing to take out of our show, let it be this. Disease is coming for us all, whether you like it or not. And, if you want to avoid it, you're going to have to be murdered or killed in a horrific accident. Wait. Mm. That's not what I said. Yeah, well, it's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jaden. Yes. We've spoken at great lengths about death. And now it's time for this podcast to die. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have to say for ever. But what do you think? Do you have a question or contribution to today's discussion? If so, too bad. This show is over. We are no longer accepting episode requests. If, however, you would like to compliment us, you can send us an email at afflictionfiction I'm looking at you, Jan. At <laughs> for one last time, I'm James Ewer. And I'm Jaden Abbott. Thanks for listening. And get well soon. Mr. Show, Season 1, Episode 4, Who Let You In, was written by David Cross and Bob Odenkirk, and is property of Warner Brothers Television and HBO Enterprises. Lover's Carvings by Bibio was written by Stephen Wilkinson, and is property of Warp Records. 